Well, the world of AI will not leave the news, and this one is particularly intriguing because we began to talk about this last fall. It wasn't anything new at the time, right? No. But it was just kind of eking, leaking into the news discussions of, of, of little bots and robots, and this is a lot more complex and deep and complicated than all of that stuff. And so we've watched the concerns grow from various people as this has jumped leaps and bounds faster than anybody thought that it would. And the concern factor has grown from, are we moving too fast, to the government suggesting regulations. Good luck with that. And then today you see this story. Now this, this doesn't wake you up a little bit. Uh, this thing is going to kill us all. Let's just go on and cop to that right now. <laughs> right. Well, here's here's the headline: The Godfather of AI leaves Google and warns of danger ahead. Here's where this all mm -hmm. began. Maybe not specifically in this year, but close. Jeffrey Hinton is the man's name. He was an, he's the AI pioneer in 2012. That was 20 years ago. No, that was 11 years ago. 2012, 2020, okay. Dr. Hinton and two of his grad students at the University of Toronto came up with this technology that became the intellectual foundation for the AI systems that the tech industry's biggest companies believe is a key to their future. That's why all this competition and all the upping you know, one-upping this guy today, and then Bing has their thing, and then and then there's Meta, and they're all trying to outdo the other. On Monday, Dr. Hinton officially joined a growing chorus of critics who say these companies are racing toward danger with their, with their campaigns to create products based upon generative AI. The thing that powers popular chat bots like ChatGPT, mm -hmm. he's running away from this as fast as he can. He quit Google, where he has worked for more than a decade, and became one of the most respected voices in this field. So he can freely speak about the risks of AI. A part of him, he said, now regrets his life's work. Wow. That's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. Uh, he says, I console myself with the normal excuse, if I hadn't done it, somebody else would have, he said during a lengthy interview at his home last week. His journey from AI groundbreaker to doomsayer, Jesus, marks a <laughs> remarkable moment for the technology industry at its most important inflection power or point in decades. Leaders believe that new AI systems could be as important as the introduction of the web browser in the early 1990s and it could lead to breakthroughs in areas ranging from drug research to education. It could. But gnawing at many of the insiders is a fear that they are releasing something dangerous into the wild. Generative AI is already a big tool for our favorite thing, misinformation in the media. It could soon be a risk to jobs, and down the line, tech's biggest warriors say, a risk to humanity. Dun, Bend dun, over dun. and kiss your ass <laughs> goodbye. 
He says, then it's hard to see how you can prevent the bad actors from using it for bad things. After these, this thing started up, um, uh, uh, the new version of ChatGPT in March, more than a thousand technology leaders and researchers signed an open letter calling for a six-month moratorium. That means calm the fuck down. <laughs> right. But, you know, I couldn't help but think when that came out that that's everybody's stop. So I can secretly keep working on it and get ahead of you guys. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> this poses, in quotes, profound risks to society and humanity. This is out of the mouth of the guy that began the, at the ground floor of this concept. Certainly, these things were hovering uh, around him and with his students and other researchers. But he's the dude given credit uh, for the introduction of this into the wild, mm-hmm. as the piece said. The group that is saying, slow down, are the dudes at uh, Microsoft, uh, which has deployed the AI technology across a wide range of products, Bing being among them. Now, Bing is on my Microsoft computer thinger. Right. And these people won't leave me alone. They wanted me to do this and that and the other, and they keep popping up stuff, and I don't want it to, I want them to stop bothering me. This Dr. Hinton, often called the godfather of AI, that's ominous, did not sign either of those letters. And this goes on. He did not wish to talk about Google in a bad way, because there goes your golden parachute. Uh, But uh, So he told them uh, last month that he was resigning. And on Thursday, he talked to people at um, uh, at the company and declined to discuss publicly any more details of the conversation. He is a British expat, 75 years old, lifelong academic, who now wishes he had never gone this route. Had I do it to do it all over again, I would be a gardener. Well, <laughs> it, if this doesn't make you kind of step back and wonder, yeah. and it's it's a little bit jarring, I think to say the least. <clears throat> yeah. Wouldn't you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But as you started that, it, it reminded me of this uh, cartoon that I read the other day because I'm I'm all about them, and sometimes they make some great points and twist things and show you a different perspective in like four panels and some words. And this one is uh, from a couple days ago called Saturday Morning Breakfast Cereal, and it's an AI having a conversation with a person asking it, why are you humans scared of us? And the guy goes, we're not scared of you in particular, we're scared of some kind of technological dystopia that results from your existence. And the AI's offended at this, going, you guys have dystopias all day long, and they're created socially. No AI required. The catastrophe is inside (laughs) you. You know why tech worries you? Because you're afraid it'll make you more efficient at your own pursuits which you know are fundamentally selfish and evil fix yourself first human that's a really that's a, that's a very Nail good on the head. point yeah, <laughs> yeah but, <right. laughs> but but what this implies though is that the guy that gave birth if you will to this entire concept is afraid that he went too far too fast um and then it so that was 11 years ago now but certainly there were things alive and kind of, you know, bubbling under in the cauldron of hell 
before they released this. Tech hell. And and he knew it, uh, or he he didn't know it, but once the seed was planted, that's when everybody began to go. Hmm, I want some of that. I want right. Let's make this better. And then suddenly you got everybody is afraid. Um, and in 2023, as half the world, well, more than half the world has gone entirely apeshit, this is just going to add to it. Now, here's part two of what I pulled up. Oh, good. Scientists can now read your mind. AI turns people's thoughts into text in real time. <laughs> wow. That could be beneficial. Go ahead. That could uh, be very I, frightening. <laughs> yes, I, but... I have, I have always ahead. thought that in my lifetime there would be a thing, a chip or something in your brain, that you could look at somebody and have a thought, and their head would explode into flame. Oh, like uh, scanners. That was my hope. But uh, so this is, here's what this is. This happened at uh, uh, UT in Austin, Texas. A team uh, came up with this AI model that can read people's thoughts. Their intent, initially, is to assist people who are paralyzed or disabled. That's my Imagine, thought. let's say, uh, you know, Stephen Hawking could have been able to, uh, he had to talk through that, that little tube thingy. And, uh, but this is a bit more advanced than that. They can transcribe people's thoughts in real time based upon the blood flow in their brain. In this research piece, they put three people in MRI machines and got them to listen to various stories, podcasts, and stories. For the first time, they claim they produced a rolling text of people's thoughts. Wow. So as they're rolling through this this uh, machine, they're reading the people's brains and their thoughts in reaction to the stories they are hearing. Not just single words or sentences, but thoughts without using a brain implant. So they've already skipped the implant part. Mm-hmm. The mind reading did not exactly replicate the stories, but captured the main points. The breakthrough raises concerns about middle privacy. Really? <laughs> As it might be the first step in bringing it, us to be able to eavesdrop on other people's thoughts. Well, you know, it's a good thing we have a whole lot of nutty experts on how to make helmets of tinfoil. It's a good thing killers. that we all know how to be reclusive and be hermits. And you better get on that now. Uh, the tech also interpreted what people were seeing when they watched silent movies. Are their thoughts as they imagined telling a story? I think that's just, that's cool, but it's scarier than yeah, yeah. If it's yeah, it is. But if if it's going to be used well, wrong, sure it's scary. But you could catch suspects who might be killers, or some you know, or you could you could you could like you said, somebody who can't talk can talk can communicate at least somewhat well, with people with family. We and, all you know, know that'd be a breakthrough. how how people are, and just I mean, given the means to do this with positive intent doesn't mean that there's not somebody someplace who will take this and run with it in the other direction. Oh, sure. Uh, 
this they pointed out that this took sixteen. It, this this took some in-house um, education and training with somebody listening to podcasts in the MRI machine for the model, the bot, to understand their brain patterns and interpret what they were thinking. All that right. took 16 hours. That's wow. all. Wow. They were able to sabotage this entire thing using methods like mentally listing animals' names to stop it from reading their thoughts. Okay, so wow. if you if you think that that's happening to you, you just start you know, singing "Twinkle Twinkle Fluffy. Little Star" or something. <laughs> Baseball stats, you know, how many home runs yeah. did Mickey Mantle hit? Uh, um, anyway, they say that now it's in an early state. Yeah, until it's all done in a, another advanced state Wednesday or Thursday <laughs> of this week. These people don't don't stop, man. I mean, it it this really does. Um, this is the this is the future, and uh, I'm not sure I want to be around for any of this bullshit. But still, uh, I was I was hoping you'd say interesting the, and it's frightening at the same time. Yes, I agree. I, I was I was hoping you would say one of the subjects that was you know in there or whatever watching the movie was like, God, this movie sucks. I just want to go get a beer. <laughs> or or the opposite mind. of wow, you know, it's a black and white silent film, but she's really hot. Oh man, this is getting me worked up. Oh, oh. yeah. Yeah, but what is the gain if you're doing it by yourself? I mean, well, you're, that's, that's, it's, it's just that's the, not going to be a thing, I it's guess. It's the way people's thoughts go, though. And if, you know, <laughs> if you're but trying who's to... going to be reading them in your living room with you and your wife? Well, see, that's the thing. That could be, if it, if it goes another couple extra steps and, say, the Mind Bureau Authority is outside your door with a one of their reader guns pointed through the wall because it can... <laughs> can go through plaster and wood and stuff just looking for suspects or people acting suspicious in some way and it comes across that i don't know i, I you know i, I don't know about any of this where, where are but, the men uh, in black to erase your memory <laughs> well i don't know i i find this to be interesting and also uh insane all right let's see i also there was another thing in here um Oh, okay, here's one more thing about technology and the brain and how things are going mm -hmm. and the advancements being made. This one is a direct uh, a tangent off of the mention of job loss due to bots and AI. Yeah. Uh, this, this, is, this one says burger bot. Okay, and I'm watching this picture of this thing doing this with there's no people around. Northwest Arkansas co-author... People in Arkansas can write, please. <laughs> That's uh, amazing. Alex Golden. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. If he can write, good for him. Recently ventured, oh, it's a she, to her local Sam's Club to see their newest technology uh, advancement, a burger-making robot. Now, this doesn't look that impressive. The, this machine will grind up beef, cut it into patties, Cook them, add seasoning uh, and sauces, and plops the burger onto a bun. Employees and add other toppings. So then they got to bring humans into it, so they kind of mess that up. The goal is full automation, but now it does everything but add the toppings. Uh, she went with the California Classic, uh, which comes with some dressing, smoked cheddar cheese, pickles, tomatoes, onions, on a brioche, or whatever that's, that word is. Yes, but right. the verdict, 
The burger holds up for five bucks. It was juicy and flavorful. Thank you, Alex from Arkansas, for that help. Okay, so they can. So, uh, yeah, I don't they know, can, man. It's, uh, they can program. It still took someone to program the bot, right? And mm-hmm. and it still takes people to do the the little fiddly bits. And if you're gonna, you know, so there's lots of places that trust a whole lot of automation, but you've got to be ready if something goes the littlest bit off. And say those burgers aren't getting plopped, I don't know, not onto the bun, but onto the floor beside the bun. Yep. And no one's there to tend this thing. That's going to be a problem. Well, the underlying thing in all of this is humans did it. We are programming these things. Yeah. These, these ideas, all these new concepts were produced, programmed, and initiated by humans and they're turning a race that is regressing by the hour into moronic, drooling vegetables. <laughs> they're taking these things and turning them into the future of everything. They can read your mind. They can do this. They can make you a hamburger. As humans sit around, you know, you know, slobbering and just watching UFC fighting or some shit. So... I'd say that humans are the ones that are really getting boned here. That's just my take on it. That's not very, very, you know. Again, like the cartoon said, we're doing it to ourselves. It's just like taking a screwdriver and stabbing yourself in the eye several times. Ah. It's not the screwdriver's (laughs) fault. Right. What's that movie when everybody is eventually just on in some chair on conveyor belts you don't have to get up anymore oh, that movie that's the uh the wally movie from pixar yes. <laughs> and exactly well. the machines really do everything and i what i'm picturing is more like a hg uh, wells eloy morlock situation where you've got the elites who are the ones who program the machines such as they remember how to do and or or they don't and they just use the machines and then there's the morlocks who live down below that maintain things and sometimes come up to kidnap and eat the eloy <laughs> what you uh, said look, that's yeah the, what, that's what, the time what machine the, the time machine <clears throat> store no, well, from hg wells yeah you know i guess there are if you want to go back through the history of writing and film and the ideas proposed about things like this that never seemed to be any kind of thing that was ever possible. People like, let's say, Ray Bradbury, mm-hmm. Rod, Rod Serling. They've already right. had these ideas a long time ago. And in films like, you know, Wall-E and things like that. But now all of this stuff is coming uh, to a real world near you. And it does make you go, wow, this really isn't just on the big screen anymore. It's in my life. It's happening. And it's happening also in different ways. I just saw a video essay about uh, fantasy and science fiction and how changes in those uh, relate to the times in which they're written. If you go back to some of those authors you mentioned, uh, H.G. Wells and and Bradbury and and so on, for the most part, they imagined things getting bigger. And one thing I don't think any of them brought up was something equivalent to a smartphone. And these days, huh. we're all so used to having you know, smartphones and being able to pretty much grab this thing, this rectangle out of our pocket and hit a couple of buttons. And we're talking to someone that we know you know, across town or on the other mm-hmm. side of the planet, right. which 
was not popping up all the time in science fiction, but it's a thing we take so for granted now that contemporary writers for science fiction and fantasy are inventing ways to work that into their their setting. Yeah. And yeah. so all of this to say that the AI is taking what we know and building on that knowledge to accomplish a particular goal, but it's not really innovating anything, at least yet. I was happy having a beeper. <laughs> of course you were. Oh, my God. I, I had, for some reason. On my reason, belt. How sexy God. was that? For some reason, I had to, I had one shirt. of those from from some some station once. I don't even know, and I nobody ever used the, it, and neither did I. Like, why do I? The only reason this? you ever had boss. one was to get a hold of your dealer, and you would text him, <laughs> "Call me, I'm out," or maybe the kids if they were, you know. Now my kids, I recall, had a beeper at one point, that which meant, you know, call my ass right now, or you're toast. Yeah. So. Um, before cell well, phones, I guess they were handy. <laughs> I, well, for yeah. for a couple of things, but not yeah. it was entirely pointless. But um, I don't know. I think it's uh, it's quite interesting. Uh, Alan's Automotive. I want to thank him. He has my wife's car over there at his shop on Winfield, Whitehaven, South Haven area. Uh, some kind of brake light came on. If yours is doing something funky, like a light, like engine light, brake light. Don't put it off. Uh, just drop it by there. Or no, just don't show up. Call first. 332-3279. Let Alan uh, take care of the issue. He remade Wes's car mm-hmm. um, the past couple of weeks, and uh, my old truck is due in for an oil change. So maintenance your stuff. It'll last for a long time, and if you don't, it won't work no more. And AI can't fix that. So let Alan's Automotive be your people, be your man, and go see James and the guys there. Three three two three two seven nine. Thank you, Mr. Allen. There's a list of uh, entertainment things to begin. Sid has a bunch of stuff, as did Wes. Uh, Aerosmith. It's time to go away, and they know it. And so, what's the, this? This is a pretty good sized tour for a band that has been unhealthy. Tyler's having lawsuits. Nobody ever said why he got sick in Las Vegas and canceled that. Oh, that's right. Um, and that thing there. And um, uh, Joey Kramer is out of the band from this point on. He will not be not be touring at all. He's been through fires and wrecks and Jesus, uh, yeah. all kind of stuff. But they're going to do what? Uh, uh, 40 dates beginning in September, right? Yeah, Sid's got it. What do you got, Sid? Yeah, uh, you have it too. The Peace Hello. Out Tour, September 2nd, starts in now, Philadelphia. Let me just stop you right there for one thing that annoys me. Okay. Okay. Peace Peace Out <laughs> was a a signature, a sign-off, a bye-bye to your friends. It wasn't Peace Out. It was Peace, comma, Out. Oh, and now it's been I turned into peace that. out. It's it was peace, comma, I'm out, out. Right. peace out, and now yeah. these dishes have turned it into some. It's a one word, two words, and now here's Sid. <laughs> That's hilarious. I never ever knew that. I'm such a peace, young child. I'm out. Peace out. <laughs> Drop the mic. The, it's right. forty dates, but like oh, you said, right. they know when to quit at least. Well, uh, they're starting. Yeah, they're going to quit. Yeah, 
They're going to play Boston on New Year's Eve. I don't have all the dates in front of me. You don't need but them. Nah, nobody cares. Yeah, no. I mean, it's probably not going to be here. So well, hopefully you've seen him before, twice or three times. I've what, seen Earl Smith a thousand times. And sometimes <laughs> they were fucking awful and sometimes they were great. I've, they've got two dates coming in Nashville on January 10th, I guess, of next year, because we've already had January 10th of this year. They're going to be in Nashville. Yeah. And then a couple of days later on the 13th, they'll be playing Knoxville on a Saturday night. When they're sober and together, it's one of the best shows you'll ever see. I had the misfortune of seeing them before they were either of those things in the <laughs> mid-70s. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. It was noise and guys falling around the stage trying to stand up straight. But when they were good, they were so good. And they will likely be great this time around, too. Uh, was was Am I thinking of the Mid-South Fair, or am I thinking of if Music Fest was at the fairgrounds back in the day, like in the Maybe. 80s? Because that's where I saw them first. Is they haven't at played the, the fairgrounds. Played the Bill Street, yeah. In yeah. nineteen eighty four or five. That's when they were. <laughs> they they didn't quite have a grip yet because they didn't get their act right. Maybe it was right before uh, Permanent Vacation. Yeah, maybe with, in eighty eight. I think it was Done with Mirrors was their first solo uh, sober album. That didn't really do well, oh, wow. but then they came back with. Uh, Permanent Vacation was mm-hmm. a smash, yeah. and they were really good. And that's when uh, we would broadcast from backstage, and we used to have a guy over there that would bring me and Zeke, I don't know, maybe a, a case of beer on ice, I, I think. But all of that went away. There was no alcohol backstage for anybody for any reason. No temptation. And um, talked to Joe Perry on the air. He was so great. And um, really good dudes, but they were kind of laid back. And But now uh, Stephen is 75, and the rest of them are over 70 at least. So, But I bet you they're going to be pros and uh, take this and run with it. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, let's see. Yeah, they, Willie I've, Nelson. What, what, I've got what, one one more note about the Aerosmith thing. If you wanted to go see them, and they are doing a THX certified live high-fidelity experience. So they are spending a lot of money and time on experts and tech to calibrate each arena individually with wow. this technology. Oh, cool. You know, I just on that note, there's another thing that uh, I saw this weekend. Uh, the uh, Springsteen tour is on the road, and they're uh, internationally. Uh, they're in. They were in Spain over the weekend, and the first thing you notice when you get some uh, close-up shots of the uh, just you know of the band, uh, Steve Van Zant must have lost about fifty pounds. He looks fantastic, and uh, Patty Scalfa, uh, who is Mrs. Bruce, also looks great. <laughs> And this weekend, uh, by happenstance of uh, some kind, uh, Michelle Obama uh, and her husband were at this gig in Barcelona. And the video has gone way, way viral. And they bring Michelle Obama on stage. And also, I don't understand this either, but um, uh, Steven Spielberg's wife is Kate Capshaw, an actress and his wife of of many years. And those two joined uh, uh, the uh, band uh, and uh, Miss Patty on Glory Days. And it is a about five minutes of just pure joy. It is so much fun to watch this. Whether you like her or not is I don't care what you think about her personally. 
but it is it's really a a cool thing to watch and a great great video of them in Barcelona and talk about a stage production god I they got bet. 19 people up there and it god. is a a piece of art they are really really all over it so anyway back to whatever else there was in entertainment up uh, Willie Nelson's 90th birthday yeah what did he do did he rock yeah, out he, did he fuck you or did he uh, he, nap? he well, he waited three hours to come rock out. Other people rocked out for Why? him <laughs> because he had the buildup, bro. He maybe he was backstage, you know, smoking something. Chiefing. I don't know, but he, was he waited three. It was two nights. It was Saturday and Sunday in L.A. And he had all he had from Chris Stapleton to Snoop Dogg to Tom Jones to uh, Jack Johnson, George right. Strait, uh, Emmylou Harris, G Gary Clark Jr. I mean. The, the list in Cheryl Crow, Nora Jones, I mean, all these people, I can't even, the Lumineers, Ziggy Marley. One uh, song each and get off Beck, the stage or what? I, I wow. don't know, but yeah, three hours into it, he came out with Snoop Dogg and they did some stuff and they just, I mean, that, <laughs> really? that'd be so Snoop. worth it though. God, that'd be oh, worth guess it. who is higher, Snoop or Willie? I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm going with Willie. He's older. <laughs> He said, "He said, hey Snoop, come out, come on out here and, and help me roll one up." And Snoop took the seat beside him, and, you know, to sing "Roll Me Up and Smoke Me When I Die." And Snoop says, "We're going to perform this in the key of smoke." <laughs> Has that ever happened before? If it not, why has that never happened before? That's such an incongruent bit of wonderfulness. It I really know. is. It really is. Willie I would have. Oh, for, I know. It's it's really interesting to me how the. Hip hop and R and B, the whole scene gets kind of a bad rap, no pun intended. Uh, but but Snoop has made himself a mainstream American treasure. How he did that, I don't know. From Martha Stewart to these all these ads with uh, Eli Manning, for God's sake. And he's hanging out now with fucking Willie Nelson on stage talking about it's, it's rolling up a joint. Yeah, it, it reminds me. He's a gangster. It reminds me of how Alice Cooper did the same thing. He put Alice Cooper in places where you don't expect Alice. He put Alice Cooper on the Muppet Show. He put Alice Cooper on Hollywood yeah. Squares, and of course on the golf course. And this Snoop is that's has called been doing brilliant that. PR and yeah. a great agent. And, yeah. and Snoop yeah. has been doing that same thing now for years, and it's working just as good, if not effortlessly. Better. Yeah, he's God, he's yeah. he's a, I think he's he is a unique man who doesn't seem to offend anybody. Well, I'm sure he does, but oh, I'm sure people I'm, still say why why do people like this gangster drug dealer type blah 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 whatever. I you know what I I am I am through talking about any of these dumbass people. I read this thing. Let me see if I can find this real quick too. Um about the media and about how hated we are. Oh, not good. we, but uh, let's see. I'm gonna we were looking. I saw we saw Snoop in something the other night. What was it? And it was hilarious. Oh, he's oh, hard oh. to not be funny. Uh, I have to Google it. Uh, okay, here it is. Yeah. Uh, it it just crossed my mind um, a little bit of late that every time I see or that people like us talk about. People in politics, uh, um, they turn your crank, not literally, thank God, uh, uh, on purpose. And it's the same ones over and over again. It's Marjorie and it's this, mm -hmm. this chick, Bobert, who couldn't find her ass with both hands on a map. 
they're going to be out. Uh, they are, they are, they're dangerous morons. But every time they get a rise out of somebody in the media, they win. Oh yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm way over that. And I, they are going to, they, they're, they're killing their party and they're killing their state by doing nothing for those that put them in office except make asses of themselves um, every day or two. Headline, Media Trust Breakdown. Share of people who say that the, that the uh, media, political polarization in the U.S. is a problem. Three in four people think that it is an issue and what is the most, right now, divisive thing in the country. Three in four people. Uh, decrease in a division, 6%. Hmm. Three in four of us adults blame the media for dividing the nation. I think that is an undeniable fact. Mm-hmm. Under half have little to no trust in the ability of the media to report the news fairly and accurately. I believe there was a little bit of a swerve in that with the firing of Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon of CNN last week. That was a, a pretty big deal and a big statement about something. Um, they're tired of the nonsense and the lying and the imposing your own thoughts in the newscast. Read the words and get off and stop offering your opinion and Carlson and his whole bunch was a scripted planned attack of lies and bullshit for the most part and Don Lemon wasn't much better he's a gay black man who was a star on that network but he got really full of himself and there was too much you know tweeting and harassment and Apparently, Tucker used the uh, C word a lot around the office. That doesn't play oh, well. Oh, boy. And um, so when you blow out two of your highest you know, people, it's, um, uh, it's an interesting thing. But the breakdown in trust uh, is why many people have rejected the mainstream news media and turned to social media, also a mistake, <laughs> and unreliable <laughs> websites where misinformation can proliferate and partisan echo chambers can thrive it's a problem but i think that people are smart enough to know when they're seeing something real and when it's nonsense and uh, there was another poll i saw from someplace that a reminder that the majority of human beings are good and decent people they may not be real bright but they at least don't mean you any harm uh, but journalism is in is in danger of becoming irrelevant. And I also kept this thing to look at. I pulled this up last week. Where did I put this? Just to show you. Uh, for example, how many people in America have access to a TV? Which is there a number to look up? I guess there How could be, but millions? I would guess it's over. Oh, you mean a percentage or oh. a, a uh, bulk A number. percentage of those that have access to watching television news offerings, be they in primetime evening newscasts, on the weekend, on Sunday morning. How many millions of people are out there? A hundred uh, million? 
in this country, whatever yeah. the population of the United States is, I think if you figured a percentage, it would be per- near everybody. Uh, All right. In 2021, 1.72 billion TV households had TV. Okay. It's a yeah. Now, now take that number that Sid just said, and let me tell you how many people are watching the top-rated news shows, and how little impact this has or should have on society as a whole. And this is why people are, there's a mass exodus from TV media. Um, David Muir on ABC News. Now, I, I tried to watch him, and he's handsome, and he has good hair, and a great tie knot. But the... <laughs> But the newscast, to me, seems a little jivey. Entertainment Tonighty. Uh, he is on top. You want to guess how many millions watch him a night? Uh, five. Seven. Oh, wow. I think I know. Seven and a half. Lester Holt on NBC, six I million didn't... a night. Wow. Nora O'Donnell on CBS, four million. So you add those up. ABC, NBC, and CBS, 7, 13, so about 19 million people watch either of those three networks. Tucker Carlson had 3 million a night until they axed him last week. And boy, the lawsuits are going to come fast and furious. And this story isn't over with yet. He will win this, this war. He got no severance. He was fired for cause. Hmm. And that's a problem. Yeah. Now, you go on down here and you keep those primetime newscasts in mind. Good Morning America on ABC. Any guesses about how many millions watch that in the morning? They're number one. Two and a half. Three, Three. million. Oh. Uh, the Today Show has 2,700,000. Uh, where is CBS? Way down, 2.2 million. Um, Laura Ingram on Fox, one of the other, you know, mouthy ones that makes shit up and just says it. 1,700,000. That's it. So we get our panties in a wad over nothing that no one's watching it. (laughs) And the ones that are are the smallest sector of the insanity on the extreme left or the extreme right. Um, Rachel Maddow, 2,400,000, that's all. 2.4 million is who watch her a night. Hmm. And she was number one last week or week before last in evening newscast shows. Uh, I already mentioned Ingram, let's see. And the rest of it, nobody cares. So Nobody is watching this, but the people that are are just really loud. Yep. Yeah. And that's the entire point. Um, I don't, I wouldn't, probably there's a place to look at how many people go to social media sites. The Drudge Report, I think, lists that every day, every week. Let me look at this real quick. Um, Let me see. Uh, Drudge app, iPhone, iPad. Let's see if this is a listing of Drudge. No, it doesn't show. Um, well, I'm guessing it is, is these these numbers are probably similar to TV. Are 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 they more? Do you think because of the access? 
on your phone or on your it, laptop? It, maybe because you can watch them whenever. I was yeah. what I was curious about something about what you said made me you know, check on two different things. One was the population estimate for the U.S. and the estimate for last year, 2022, was 333 million. 287,000 and some change. And you're saying that for all of these nightly newscasts, it's all totaling to about, what, 12 million or so? Eight, uh, 18, 19 million. No, let's see. Seven, six, uh, nearer to 20 or about 19. So yeah. uh, Nobody. Yeah, So, but 1% one, 1 of 333 million is what? 333,000 or thousand. 3 million and mm -hmm. something? Yeah. It's a bunch of numbers. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I was just thinking good. because the pop the rough estimated percentage of psychopaths and sociopaths to the general <laughs> population, according to Psychology Today, is about six point two percent. So, if someone who's good at math will take that figure, the U.S. population, and then compare it to how many people are actually watching TV news, I wonder how closely they'd correlate. Yeah. That's a really good point, good point. And, good point. Um, and but I think it. People like us in the media. I've, I've done this for my my entire life. I was raised in a house with a man, uh, my father, who uh, who was just a news junkie, and I am too. And I can't kick it. Uh, but back in those days, it was a lot simpler, and newscasts were not full of opining. They read the fucking story and moved along. <laughs> Yes. Um, and there wasn't a bunch of, uh, you know, there was no room for attitude. Read the story. There were newspapers back then. And those were, you know, generally, it was the AP or UPI. They were basic news stories reporting the facts as a reporter in some credible place had written them. Yeah. And they, it wasn't they, full of a bunch of nonsense and agendaed garbage yeah, they had mm -hmm. editorial pages and otherwise they printed what they could prove exactly Back right exactly right <laughs> yeah. they, they so. had the there was there were those pages with editorials and opinion op-ed that's where that came from mm -hmm. and then there were the obits and the funnies next <laughs> and yeah. some sports so but no but now now it's turned now this is why everything is eating itself in the past two weeks, um, BuzzFeed has gone away. Um, I oh. saw one today that, um, uh, is it Vice News? Bye-bye, gone. Really? Huh. All of these huh. things are being wiped out because there's too much of it. And people can't afford, it doesn't work as far as advertising, and nobody is going to these things anymore. I thought and, that Vice website anyway was kind of hokey. I don't know. Okay. Uh, BuzzFeed was still, too, but it was pretty funny uh, though. It yeah. had, yeah, 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 had its moments. It's still uh, but, here though. I'm not there right uh, now. It's, I saw the news tonight about 6.30 that it was gone. Uh, all, uh, all the firings at Disney, at ESPN, who uh, is owned by Disney. Um, it's getting harder and harder to survive in this business. Uh, TV and radio as we have known it our entire lives is is running down the drain as tom petty once said <laughs> and um it's it's just it's over uh, people aren't buying it and aren't listening to it 
So things like this, um, you know, how long is our shelf life? We're, we're going to find out pretty quick. But um, it's, <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's, you know, you know what I did also just find, and this is interesting. TV is a ninety-three percent. Ninety-three percent of people have a TV. However, smartphones seventy-nine percent, laptops seventy-eight percent, tablets sixty-eight percent. So those are about to be booming right behind TV. You know, and as you, I wonder if the numbers that I read are if they include those things. Yeah, maybe not, I'm not sure because well, that's one of the biggest problems with Nielsen and Arbitron, who are the biggest yeah. rating services in the country. Uh, there are radio station chains, chains, uh, some of them local, that have dropped them because it cost radio stations in Memphis. At one point, this city was the 41st um, uh, you know, market in the yeah. top 50 in America. Mm -hmm. It's now 51. They were paying and are paying, in some cases, over a million bucks a year to get these ratings, which by any stretch are a decent guess. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And so there, there is one outfit who has dropped them, which means that, well, the, if this market dropped them, I'm guessing the other markets have dropped them too. So there goes a lot of money that Nielsen doesn't have anymore. And these radio stations can't use the ratings to sell advertising anymore. So that's a bad sign. Uh, and television on the networks is irrelevant beyond belief, except for sports. But most sports is, all, is now on TBS or TNT or ESPN or whomever. Um, now college football will be on every network, as will the NFL. There is no baseball game of the week, I don't think anymore, is there? But um, anyway, yeah. it is all in transition, and it's um, it's something to watch. There's just too much, and they eat themselves. And speaking of the TV note, uh, as of this week, your TV watching may take a serious hit. Yeah. Hollywood uh, bracing for a strike by writers. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, this happened... Well, just, like just, by, just to look at this for a minute. Um, in the past week, 10 days, I watched an entire series on Netflix. Um, I watched Mrs. Maisel on Amazon. That's every Sunday. Succession on HBO. That's every Sunday. Uh, three episodes of the show on HBO, Barry, in its last season. Um... I want something else on Apple Plus. Oh, a Ted Lasso and the Big Door Prize. Those are my choices at at my, you know, just they're they're always there. So I just can tune them in. Now, those shows are written by people. They're called writers. Yeah. And and, <laughs> and uh, they get paid to do this. And they are they are cranking out more material than ever. But if they go on strike, well, at this point in the year, there is so much new stuff out on those services. It's unbelievable. There is just too much. So if they go on strike, it'll affect scores of TV shows and films, as well as those who watch them. I somehow have a bit of doubt about that. 
there is more on right now than any human being can watch. Yes. Uh, so, huh? And yeah, no, I'm, I'm agreeing with you and saying yes. And if the writers are on strike and this halts production of new stuff, that gives me a breather to catch up on old stuff. Yeah, on old stuff. <laughs> I, well, it, there, there is so much right now on all of these services that it is impossible. And I try uh -huh. to, to watch you know, all of this stuff. Um, I would suspect, though, that when you release you know, Mrs. Maisel in its last, last season, the entire season is done. Yeah, it's in the can. Uh, and the same for Barry. And there's a new thing on, uh, on uh, HBO I'm dying to watch. The David Bowie documentary. I think it's oh, called yeah, uh, A Moon Age Daydream. I hear it's unbelievable. Anything that's on there now has already been done. But they are way far apart. All the writers and those that pay them. Uh, the Guild is seeking about, well, they want hundreds of millions in pay increases along with other demands. The main point is an extremely complicated one. How to fairly pay writers in an age when streaming has upended the traditional production model. And all you have to do is watch one high quality show like Mrs. Maisel or like Succession to see the advancements in television. Watch one of those, then watch Bonanza, and tell me how things have changed. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding, right there. Oh my, gosh. Oh my lord. So, yeah. The L.A. Times and uh, they and uh, people uh, report the two sides are far apart. If no deal is reached, the writers will go on strike this week. The last time it happened was 15 years ago before network streaming. They went on strike over network TV writing. But just imagine how many more people write for television and, 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 and for film right now. Yeah. Hundreds more. Yeah. The first shows to go would be late night talk shows, Saturday Night Live, John Oliver's show, and soap operas would be in trouble quickly because they're written, I guess, every day. Yeah, it's a tight deadline. Um, scripted shows and films would see a different impact depending upon how far along they are in production. This isn't about posh lifestyles or money. It's just a matter of everybody is making money and the writers are getting the short end of the stick. And without them, the show's got nothing. If you ever watch a show with incredible writing, like Ted Lasso um, or any of these shows, the magic is in the writing. And if they aren't there, all the set design and cute actors in the world won't fix that. So we'll see how that one works out. Um, and on the other note of entertainment about film, 2023's first billion-dollar movie, which I guess shows you where America's head is at. Yeah. The Super Mario <laughs> Brothers movie. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? <laughs> Mike, That's where we are. Yeah. It's escapism, man, that sure, you and your and kids can all go watch. It's that nostalgia dopamine, too, because you know, my kid... Dope is the operative word here. Daddy gets high, <laughs> kids go along right. and eat candy. And shit, so. <laughs> well, I mean, my, my kid, 21 years old... Want, went to go see it and thought it was just great. And he's played Mario games b since he could hold a controller, pretty much. It's been around for a long time, hadn't it? Oh, yeah. It, uh, when did I? I started playing it with a set in probably 89 or 90. 
But it is the fifth movie of pandemic times to join the club of a billion dollars. Spider-Man No Way Home, Top Gun Maverick, Jurassic Park, World Dominion, and Avatar, snooze, The Way of Water, <laughs> which I hear is a lovely piece of work, but whatever. Even what we say and said, long. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, uh, but if you, but, but Wesley, I know you haven't seen Mario, but You're right. if you didn't play it, and so you don't really know, is it going to be good to you? If you didn't play the game and you don't really, I just remember jumping over mushrooms or right. not, don't fall. <laughs> and then getting I mean, like, tall, that's every the game. fireballs, you that's know, every game. slaying turtles, <laughs> that sort of thing. I don't okay. know. I, I just don't know. I haven't really read any reviews of it to know. Me neither, I'm yeah. supposing if it's good, then it means that if you don't know anything about Mario and you go in and watch it, the movie tells yeah. you what you need to know and yeah. does it in a way that makes it an enjoyable narrative in yeah, addition to the visuals. So. And if you know the games and the lore, then it's all that plus all of these things that are just you know stroking you in just the right brainal way. On top <laughs> I don't think right. the word stroking you. Is there anybody in there that is naked, you think, to, to, to get, get... I, I told you I haven't line. seen the film. Okay. From the man but who throws around the word lore. I mean, come on, Drake. <clears throat> well... <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, I'm going to rush right out and catch that one. Uh, so anyway, each to his own. It is an escape film for parents and their children. And why not? We probably need some more of that stuff. Um, sure. uh, I want to thank our friends. You know, I I have had a, a four-day run of this allergy crap. And uh, I have sent several friends to get this stuff at Wholesale Nutrition. Quercetin is what it's called. And there's another one of the, in the same uh, kind of group called Allerseton. There's nothing worse than having a tissue in your hand all the time for your oh, runny, yeah. nasty-ass nose. And sneezing, I have sneezed so much. If I had a knife and would, well, I, I don't want to cut my nose off yet. Anyway, these folks have a number of things that age your, uh, your just your allergies and the sneezing and the cold. We're almost past the pollen, aren't we? It's it, it's 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 time. Uh, anyway, uh, they have a number of things in that section, along with there's a vast array. I got this uh, pamphlet from there about mushrooms and not the fun kind. Uh, these things have <laughs> lots of they're, they're they're grown all over the world, and many of them have a, a specific kind of a target for what ails you. Uh, ask about that. And they have their big old smoothie bar with a gigantic menu of various things for that. And pre and post workout gear, energy drinks. It's a fantastic store on Goodman Road in South Haven. WholesaleNutrition.com is the website to find out more. You should go and see them. I want to hear quickly Elvis's stepbrother. Reveals Elvis's thoughts on Kiss. That's right, because Elvis died in '77. Kiss broke in '70, '71. Well, yeah, that's when they started. Probably, you could say they broke with their Alive album, which was a couple years later. Yes, yeah, probably true. Yeah. yeah, and so Elvis Presley. First of all, it it I'd forgotten that he his, that Vernon remarried and that Elvis had a oh. stepbrother, but. That's oh yeah, David that, something. Uh, yeah, he's Billy. Billy Stanley is Billy David. Sta- same thing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> sure. Hmm. Yeah, they're spelled exactly right. <laughs> it, like it's confusing. Yeah, right. So right. anyway, so 
Billy was, I guess, living at Graceland, and yeah. he went to see Kiss and thought they were great. And so he, uh, this was around 75. He went and bought the Kiss Alive album. And so he was downstairs playing Kiss Alive in 1975 in the basement of Graceland. And he was said, I had it cranked up, playing air guitar. And Elvis came down and goes, what are you listening to? And he told him, band called Kiss. I showed him the cover album and he goes, uh, okay. That's the quote in the story. Uh, okay. And he sat, sat down looking at this cover and listening and goes, okay, I get it. Play that song again. And according to Billy, that song was Let Me Go Rock and Roll, which is actually one of the better Kiss songs. And he played it twice, and he says, so Elvis, what do you think? And Elvis's opinion of Kiss was, here's the quote from Billy, well, I understand the whole thing, you know, Kiss, keep it simple, stupid, and they got the makeup so they can walk around when they get off stage. Nobody sees them, knows who they are, or anything like that. Good idea. <laughs> He, no way. He just nailed it entirely. No way. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's serious? that's what Billy says Elvis said about Kiss. If Elvis did that and was that smart, I wish he weren't dead now. I know. <laughs> yeah, man. Dang it. That's really cool. And he was right on the money too, wasn't he? Yeah, that's and, but hilarious. he he got it. He's a, they're just playing simple straight ahead rock and roll. They're not they're not trying to be yes. They're just <laughs> They're just playing some, said that some basic rock and roll. Yes. They aren't trying to be Tangerine Dream. I no, not at all. Oh, man, that's fantastic. Uh, what else do we have here? Um, uh, um, uh, it was record day or something, and you you each have a story. Sid's got one, and but yours said half of vinyl buyers in the U.S. don't have a turntable. What's the what's the paradox here? That's odd. Yeah, that's the one that I've got, unless Sid has yeah. it too. Yeah, I don't have, no, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, this was a recent study by the music sales data company called Luminate via Music Business Worldwide, which is my homepage. And their top entertainment trends for 2023 report, they found out that of the 3,900 U.S.-based respondents that were surveyed, so that's a fair sample, I guess, as surveys go, but it's a tiny percentage of the population. But they said half the consumers who bought vinyl in the past year own a record player compared to 15% among music listeners overall. Now, what? yeah, so the basic math there means that half of the people who are buying vinyl records do not have a way to play them once they get them home. Are what they, they planning on buying well, one? What? Well, what, they, what this <laughs> report goes on to say is they think that these are these are super fans which they define as quote music listeners who spend above average time and money on music actively discover new music and participate in music related activities on social media and plan on attending live local music events in the next 12 months so they really like them some music is what they're saying and they buy them they can't just, hear the album they buy them just to have them interesting what they if are, they leave them wrapped well they might do that too because what would be the mm -hmm. point but again mm -hmm. what would be the point of buying it if you don't intend to play it I, you know but you say that how many people buy things as collectibles to never yeah. open or play with to just leave in the box hoping to make a mint on it someday and retire they go on to say finally as their last point it's noting worth noting they say that the highest selling albums on vinyl last year were taylor swift midnight's harry styles harry's house and olivia rodrigo's sour 
all three of them artists with big, rabid kind of fan bases. Right. Mm-hmm. So they watch everything related to their favorite artist. So I guess that album sales are as big as they've well, not ever been, but oh, no. still. They are huh. they are increasing, and they surpassed CD sales for the first time this year mm-hmm. or last year since uh, CDs overtook them, I guess, in the 90s at some time. But again, don't read too much into that because also how many people are buying CDs. There's yeah, that. interesting concept. Okay, Record cool. Store Day, which was April 22nd, did boost vinyl sales by 122% is what I have. And limited edition releases, because some people do that just to celebrate, you know, Record Store Day. So the two, the top two, or well, two of the top limited edition releases that went into the top five were from Taylor Swift and the 1975. I believe I've heard of them. Oh, yeah. So oh. a lot of people, I, this is funny that we're talking about this because... Uh, the my husband was measuring something the other day in the cabinet under the TV, and I'm, what are you doing? And he said, the, uh, for a turntable. And I was like, well, we've already done this, and we know what size we need. Do we need? Because I still have mine from eighth grade when my mom first got me a stereo, <laughs> so and it would work if I had the right kind of needle. If it would work, but I think it's probably discontinued. I, I think your husband was always nice the biggest problem. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I'll husband's- tell you answer was probably no a good turntable my good, son yes you're right but his wife a turntable for her birthday oh cool and i was over there and she was playing elton john uh hockey chateau or the best of and she's 34 years old and she had all her albums out and i went wow that's that's really cool these kids what are you i want to get one i want to get a new one so i can play my i have a whole peaches crate Full of albums and then some. Oh yeah! Remember I'm, the peaches crates? Oh sure, I've, I've oh, yeah. got mine stacked in the yeah. uh, cabinets oh, yeah. here behind me. Oh yes. Okay. Oh, well, uh, there you go. Hey, uh, we'd like for you to text also, uh, and in among those texts, ones for lawyer Bill. All right, eight seven eight nine four two zero. We'll have Bill here Thursday. Eight seven eight nine four two zero for Ask Lawyer Bill. And now we're going to transfer you to. The recent Between the Grooves music cast, which is featuring uh, some of the bands on the Beale Street Music Festival coming up this weekend. Uh, I, I threw in a, a, a bunch of people. Um, I can't remember now who they are, but the uh, Roots are on there. Earth, Wind, and Fire. Robert Plant, Allison Krauss, Young Lumineers. the Giant. It's just such a great band. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lumineers are just great. Gary Clark Jr., uh, it's all here in an hour for you right now. So enjoy this and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.